Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Welcome, everybody. My name is Bob Ford. I'm a real sexaholic. My co-leader here is Ned. And um, the topic of this meeting that we're sharing on is Hearing God Through Others, the Second Tradition. In the spirit of the fifth tradition, to carry the message, oh, I'm sorry, I left part off. Please turn off any electronics. Please do not record any of this session. In the spirit of the fifth tradition, to carry the message, this session is recorded. The recorder will not be turned off during the session. If you do not want to be recorded but need to share, we encourage you to attend other non-recorded meetings. Please do not touch the recording equipment. If you want to share, come up to the front and sit next to us to use the microphone. Please leave the microphone on the table and don't touch it because it makes noise on the recording. Thank you. Let's begin with a moment of silence for those still suffering and unable to attend a meeting, followed by the serenity prayer. Serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. I am Ned, sexaholic. I am addicted to lust, addicted to escape fantasy. Um, thanks to you, I have other choices. Um, step two, or step two, tradition two, I, I actually often really closely associate with step two. Uh, and the word I associate there is the word trust. Uh, in step two, I learn to trust a higher power to restore me to sanity. Uh, tradition two, I'm learning to trust the fellowship um, and uh, it's really counterintuitive to learn trust from a lot of uh, compulsive people that are are chronically uh, self-centered. What's the phrase to a uh, in the extreme? Self-centered in the extreme. Why do I want to trust these people? Uh, because they're just like me. Um, Practically, uh, uh, I'm kind of going off script here, but uh, I, uh, I mean, every time I uh, show up in life, I have a choice to, uh, to act out my disease, my compulsion, or thanks to you guys, I haven't choice, I can choose to engage life in a healthy way. When I show up to a business meeting, or, uh, or with a sponsee or with my sponsor or for any kind of service, uh, I have a choice. Uh, tradition too tells me I can be 
the bleeding deacon or I have a, a chance to be the elder statesman. It's really my choice, my attitude. Uh, and I've had lots of opportunities to exercise that. It seems like every second, third, no, maybe about once in a blue moon, a, a group conscience actually goes my way. And, you know, my way, I, I base all of my votes on the traditions. I do. <laughs> Somehow other people have other opinions about some of the traditions, and it seems like uh, more often than not, uh, a group conscience goes the way I don't think it should. And then I have a choice at that point. Uh, do I trust the fellowship as the tradition dictates or not? Uh, when I, my, as an addict, I, I have that immediate knee-jerk reaction. It's just, uh, oh man, I, I want to be vindicated. I really want to be vindicated because, you know, I, I was right. I knew everything. I want to be vindicated. Uh, fortunately, uh, thanks to you guys, sanity kicks in in a minute. And I realize, wait a minute now. Total vindication means, oh, I want the whole fellowship to go down the tubes because they didn't go my way. You know, um, that would not be in my best interest. I really need you people. So, um, if I can step back, take a breath, let go of the bleeding deacon, and and just say, okay, thy will not mine be done, even if it's the will of a lot of obviously sick, sick sexaholics out there that don't know the traditions like I know the traditions. Uh, thankfully, thankfully, uh, even though the decisions hardly ever go my way, the, the fellowship goes on, people are there for me, um, and I have a chance to show up in future. So... Uh, um, I guess just to tie it off, this uh, this is a really, really, I found this to be a really practical tradition for my life. Um, and specifically, uh, uh, about five years into the program, my wife decided that we needed to move. And we moved from the suburbs into the city, and uh, we joined a new spiritual community there. Um, and uh, I think I was probably there several years before it began to dawn on me that this new spiritual community I didn't agree with. I didn't agree with them uh, on practically anything, politically, spiritually, um, practically nothing I agreed with these folks on. But uh, thanks to the emotional support I have here, I was already kind of bought in because these were people that I really cared about. And uh, so now many years later, I'm still in this community that I still don't agree with. And yet, thanks to things like this tradition, I find, you know, that's not, not all that important. Uh, we really need each other. I have a friend who says uh, we need each other more than we need to agree. And uh, and that certainly applies in this fellowship. And that's one reason I, uh, I really uh, lean on this tradition and uh, use this to learn the trust in the second step that I, I need to grow in every day. I think I covered everything, and I've probably about run up my time. So I will turn this over. Ned Sexaholic, thanks for listening. Everybody's still Bob, still Sexaholic. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. When I started talking about or thinking about this tradition, one of the things that always comes to mind for me is how closely related to the fifth tradition it is. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the sexaholic who still suffers. And 
in this, in this tradition, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. So two things need to happen kind of at the same time for a group. Number one, you need to figure out what your message is. I, I'm in a couple of groups and we both have different messages. One of the groups has a message of taking the steps will fix everything that you need. The other one is taking the steps that will fix everything you need. And that was a joke. You can laugh. <laughs> I have to remind them at my, at my groups, too. They don't think I'm funny, either. My wife really doesn't think I'm funny. But I'm going to talk about a couple of experiences outside of the program where I have used this tradition. Um, I was working in a Fortune 500 company, and I'd been there a couple of years, and there was a job opening that came, came up that would be a really nice promotion for me, and so I applied for it. And two guys who were much younger and had been there much less time got those two jobs. So I went home very disappointed, and I said to myself, but this must be God's will, it isn't mine, so I'm going by the group conscience, or God's talking to me, somehow I'm hearing him through the people that didn't hire me. Six months later, a much better job opened up, and I was hired into that job. And it was considerably better than the one that I had applied for first that I thought was a good deal. Um, I've been involved in several recovery communities, and in one of them, I I was on their board of trustees. I ran their, their uh, grapevine publication. I did all kinds of stuff, and I went there one year to run for the board of trustees. And I, there were, there were three positions open and there were three of us running. And just before the, just before the elections, a fourth lady came in and she says, well, I'm going to run also. Guess who did not get elected? Me. So I went away and I was very disappointed. And people say, oh, Bob, we feel, oh, no, no, it must be God's will because it sure isn't mine. And I'm going to live by God's, you know, I'm going to act like it's okay. I came back the next year to run for another open board seat, and before I even got to the convention, somebody asked me to be their their publications editor, and I did that for the next four and a half years, which was a whole lot better than being on the board of trustees, I can tell you, because I then did that for eight years. Business in these programs is really difficult. Because just about everybody on the board of trustees, just about everybody in a GSR position, just about anybody who has any position of higher service, and we forget that. We are, the people aren't serving us, we are serving them. But we all seem to know better than anybody else how it ought to be done. I know that because I always know better than anybody else how it ought to be done. And when I come to conventions like this and it's my turn to speak, the hardest thing for me is to say I'm going to go up and I'm going to share my experience, strength, and hope when what I really want to do is give you a lecture. I'm a great lecturer, but nobody wants to hear them. So in this case, I will just tell you that on two different occasions, and there's lots and lots more, God has spoken to me through other people and told me to go a different direction than the one that I thought I should go. On the other hand, and there's just one more thing that I will talk about, a higher power telling me what to do is my wife. Whenever my wife asks me to do something, I do the very best job that I can to get it done right away and get it done with a smile. In 30 years, she has only asked me one time to do something that would hurt me. Only once. We were having a huge argument, and she asked me to leave, and I just said no. 
That's the only time she's asked me to do something that would hurt me. So I might as well be doing what she asked, and I just tell myself, God's speaking to me through her because it's always something that's good for us or me or both, you know? So anyway, God speaks to me through a whole lot of people. I just have to be aware and listen. Thank you. Which brings us to the sharing portion. You now have an opportunity to share with the group. Please focus on the topic of the meeting. Uh, the second tradition, hearing God through others. Like sharing in any essay meeting, please limit your sharing to the topic. Avoid explicit description or distracting comments and focusing on the solution rather than the program. The problem. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> My sponsor started a meeting one day. I'd like to open this moment with a meeting of silence. (laughs) I take after him, obviously. Please line up to our right or left so we don't have to wait for each person to come up. Please speak loudly enough for all to hear. You will each have, let's go with two minutes for starters. And um, please don't touch the microphone. We're going to set it over there. Please come up to the chairs and be ready to speak. And it's your turn. Hi, I'm Nancy. I'm a sexaholic. I, I apologize. I did not hear the beginning of the first share, and so I hope this is not redundant. A group conscience is not a democracy. Um, I remember a while back, my group wanted to change the time of the meeting from 7 to 8.30. We wanted to change it from 7.30 to 9. And of 17 people, 15 wanted 7.30 to 9. And two wanted to keep it at 7 to 7.30. So we listened to the minority opinion. And the two people that didn't want to change the time couldn't make the meeting. They couldn't get there from work. The people, oh wait, the other way around. 7.30 to 9 was what wanted to change to 7 to 7.30. It was Monday night. The folks that wanted to change and start earlier wanted to be able to get home to watch Monday Night Football. Our group conscience, we decided to stay at the time of 7 to 8.30 because those two members would not have been able to make um, the meeting. I'll pass. My name's River. I'm a sexaholic. I love the traditions. And I love uh, essay recovery. I love the business meetings. I have learned so much about being a grown-up by being in recovery and attending business meetings, participating in group conscience, 
activities, uh, surrendering my way to the group's way has just been one of the greatest joys of recovery for me. Um, since I was a little girl, I can remember wanting everybody to be included and everybody to have a voice. And in recovery, we have an opportunity to practice that. And I don't know any place else in the world that does it like this. Um, I need a lot of help with this. I, I said um, when I came to the conference that I was going to practice um, looking uh, for, you know, God's gifts to me here at the conference as opposed to what I would have done differently. Um, <laughs> and that is my tendency to find what's wrong, how they could have done it better, what I would have done. It's just it's exhausting, really. Um, and so um, I'm being offered lots of opportunities to practice. You know, how is this better for me than what I would have chosen? And that is a whole new uh, practice. Um, so I recently attended a meeting where uh, they were talking about using the traditions in your own life personally. And um, so because I learned about this in group recovery, that the group knows best because of this loving God that um, is the group conscience. Um, also, that applies to my own personal life. And so that's what I have. I'll pass. I'm Steve, and I'm a sexaholic. And uh, I take it thinking about this uh, part about this from three to Grecian two, but I was really going looking in the 12 and 12 of AA. Because we, we accept the things that's in AA too, that they're, they're proved literature. And it says alone now, he reflected that he may not be able to stay sober, even alive, unless the process, on the other hand, alcoholics would, what was so freely given to him, given him. And I think about that when I first, uh, really started getting sober, one of the guys told me if I would listen, God could speak through other people. And some of them that even don't even know him. And I said, wait a minute, you know. He said, yeah, something you need the next day, two days, week, or month, they'll say, and if you'll just listen and not turn people off, it'll come back to you when you need it. And I've seen that happen many times. He's talking about sharing it on with somebody else. That's what I do. I listen to people. And I take bites and pieces. I write in my books some of those things down. And sometimes I take and end up sharing the, the same things with somebody else. And after a while, I don't know who, I don't really remember who cared. It didn't matter who shared with me, but it helped me through a situation that I needed help through. And I, I understood that it was God speaking through them to help me. And sometimes that's just what I have to do. It, it, not every one of us hear God with our ears. Yeah, there's not very many has. I know a few that have in a, in a big book talking about it. But I haven't, you know, I don't hear him speak out of a, out of the clouds or whatever. But he can speak to our hearts. He can speak to us through this book. He can speak through somebody that don't even know him. That's what gets me. I mean, I, I've, I've known people that in AA that didn't really know him. They were atheists. But I heard something they said that I listened to, and, ah, you know, I got a better understanding of God now because something they said, God met their need at the situation when they wanted it. 
He helped them. He cares about us, you know. It's interesting. Pass. My name is Nick. I'm a sexaholic. I found that for me, the best way to hear God's voice, certainly in spite of me, was through pain. Because certainly my best intentions got me to where I'm at. So I had to be tenderized by my pain first before I could become willing to listen. And Really, the best voice that I hear now, God speaking through me, is through my sponsor. Um, been with him a long time. He's seen me through a lot, um, a lot of periodic uh, slips and even longer relapses. Um, I'm sober for the longest time in my adult life now, um, and I give uh, all the uh, all the praise to my higher power for that. Um, I also found, based upon that last share too, that you know my higher power created me with with two ears and one mouth. So if I can just keep my mouth closed long enough and get my fingers out of my ears, maybe just maybe I'll be able to become willing enough to listen and take some kind of nugget um, to help me stay sober because. Granted, whatever kept me sober yesterday is pretty likely to keep me sober today. Um, and because of that sobriety, because of that tenderization of pain, um, instead of it being now that I need to stay sober, I want to stay sober because I want to become more and more like my higher power, which I get through um, the culture of sobriety and other members that I see that I want what they have. With that, I'll pass. I'm Chris, a grateful recovering sexaholic. So I learned uh, mostly from my sponsees. Uh, whenever one of them has an issue they're struggling with, I look at the literature and I also look at outside literature on a topic. Uh, had a guy the other day who was dealing with enabling his son. So um, I looked at literature relevant to that. And through that, I learned, I mean, you always learn more by teaching than you do by being the student. So that's one example. Another guy who's after an affair struggling with, um, you know, feeling committed and interested in his wife. And, of course, we all struggle with that. And so in helping him with that, um, helped me to appreciate my wife more and to, you know, I heard an AA tape once say, you know, tell your sponsee to do something, and if it works, 
do it yourself. <laughs> so, uh, anyhow, it helps me to to keep my sobriety and my recovery by reminding other people to do stuff. Thanks. <clears throat> I'm Todd, recovering sexaholic. The God speaking to me, uh, several things that have been true for me and, and good for me came up, came to mind. The first was I can remember first being in recovery that, uh, the realization that when I keep things in, when I, when I don't share, when I, when I'm not, not vulnerable with the group, I'm denying or at least making it much more difficult for God to speak through all of you to me, right? It's like, well, God speak to me. And then what? I'm waiting for a burning bush or, or, uh, you know, him to write on the wall, uh, when I don't share with you. And then that gives him an opportunity to prompt you and, and, and speak through you to me. Um, another thing that, that, is still sometimes I can struggle with is that God speaks through people that are not perfect. Right? Uh, if I can get blinded by by the imperfections that I see in other people and, and think, well, how, you know, how can they be, you know, the voice of God or anything like that? Well, we're all broken, right? If if that's my standard, then I'm not going to listen to anybody as as God speaking through them. Um, I, I liked your your share about the uh, the God speaking through my wife. Uh, your, that was <laughs> in in recovery. That's been a tremendous epiphany to me that God speaks through my wife. Um, so many things that that I before recovery would have actually resented I now am grateful for just with that difference in attitude that maybe God is using her to speak through me to to at least allow that as a possibility is is a, a game changer for me and my attitude with my wife um, and, and lastly you know one of my my prayers is God you know show me uh myself through your eyes, right? When I want to beat myself up, when I want to shame myself. And, and often that comes through, uh, through again, all of you when I, I share, uh, and invulnerable with you and, and I can see God's grace, God's mercy, uh, and truth sometimes when I need it through all of you. So thank you. Bill, I'm a sex addict. Uh, I want to. I just had a couple of reflections on my home group, the fellowship. That's the most important to me. Um, one of the things that I've learned over time is that when I start having critical thoughts about the group or individuals within the group, I need to uh, stop and and check myself on that um, because usually it's. I'm, I'm really trying to avoid something or I'm uh, perhaps the negative thoughts are about myself, 
but I really need to to stop uh, when I when I hear myself doing that or feel myself doing that. The other uh, the other thing that's occurred in my in my time with the fellowship is uh, this is a this is a fellowship with an extremely strong culture of sobriety. Uh, men with decades of sobriety in this group, and this is the only fellowship I attend out of four others um, that does check meetings, and a check meeting is generally for anyone who is struggling with sobriety, and their sponsor uh, asks some of the other senior members to join for a meeting to to help uh, to help with try to maybe get through a block of some kind. And my sponsor two years ago um, uh, asked for a, a check meeting with me. Uh, I'd been I'd been struggling with my sobriety. I'd been lying about my sobriety. Um, and I can scarcely remember any of what was said to me in that meeting. It was a, it was a painful experience, but it was one of the most liberating things for me um, because what really came out of it in the end for me was um, these guys are taking time to talk to me. I must be worth it. And for me, and I'm sure many can relate, but for me, I don't think I'm worth it generally. And so uh, that was, um, you know, an incredible experience uh, because no matter how painful the message was, the love for me was undeniable. So, thank you. I'm Steve, recovering sexaholic. Um, I'd like to share with you uh, an experience that I've had, thank God, very rarely. Um, from time to time, I'll go to a different meeting, and I won't hear much recovery. And um, uh, I react generally in one of two ways. One is it just makes me angry. You know, where's the recovery? Come on, guys. Yeah. Uh, and, and the other one is that uh, that I can do it more calmly, and and, and I can be after the meeting or, or when it's my time to share, I can you know share in a way that I think God really speaks through me. In other words, I, I when I'm uh, tasked, I would say, with having to share something that's difficult for me to say, uh, I have to ask God for help for that. You know, I, I I'm not smart enough to come up with the words to to get the message across, and I say, God, just put the words in my mouth. And uh, I'm so grateful to, to have that, uh, have been given that opportunity, uh, because sometimes it's needed. And uh, and I appreciate if somebody, you know, does that with me. You know, if, if I'm doing something, if I'm off kilter a little bit, that they have the the courage and the and God given words to uh, to correct me. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. I'm Mike, sexaholic, <clears throat> and uh, 
One time I was uh, standing out behind, rest- behind my restaurant. It was before I was in uh, SA, and I, I couldn't even say the word God. I felt so ashamed of my behavior. And my wife, I was out behind it, and my wife came out to the back door, and she said, Mike, there's somebody come, somebody in the, in the front that wants to uh, say hi to you. And I couldn't go in. I, I felt so crappy. And an old dog that used to hang around the back door came up and bumped me in the leg like, hey, pet me, buddy, you know. And I thought, shit, that dog's got more self-esteem than I do, you know. And that allowed me to go on in and uh, and talk to that guy. And um, so my higher power worked there. And then one time we used to take a meeting to a, uh institution for the criminally insane and sex offender unit. And uh, I was telling them, I was just get, I said, I know it's hard in here for you guys, but I said, my butt's getting kicked out there on the outside, you know. And one of the inmates said, well, in here we have to live one day at a time. I mean, it's like, it's like, so that was, that's from the unexpected people. Anyway, thanks. My name is Joe. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Hearing from God from others, um, just sitting there, I was just thinking about two scenarios that um, where God was speaking through another to me and stuff like that. A couple weeks ago, I was getting these crazy kind of lust hits that were going on that were just un- unimaginable and stuff. And prior to that, I attended a um, um, not a face-to-face meeting, a phone meeting and stuff like that. And this person at the meeting gave his number out and stuff like that. So I kind of took him up on the offer for that that time when I was riding home. Okay, so me not liking to call people, I just dialed that number. I kind of put in my phone at the time and wrote it down. And he answered. I'm like, oh, okay. So when he answered, I told him, hey, I, Joe, and, you know, we were, you know, you were on a meeting this morning. Oh, yeah, I remember you. Yeah, yeah, you shared a little bit and stuff like that. So I said, yeah, I'm going through a lot of different uh, lux, toxic hits right now, and it's really wanting me to turn somewhere else right now. And he's like, well, okay, face it. You're going through something. Acknowledge what you're going through. Okay. He said, now what, now what are you going to do about it? I'm like, okay. He said, well, you're doing about it. You're calling me. You're doing something about it. Okay. So that was for me, God talking through somebody else, through others. And he says, okay, so you, you acknowledge what you're going through. But now you work through it. You start doing something about it. You don't go through with it. You make that phone call. You, you, you take a ride around another block or you do something else. So that was really helpful for me, you know, with the subject here and God from others. Another thing was like in one of my face, face meetings out here in St. Louis, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand step three, you know, my will and turning over to God and all that stuff. And, um, I'm that phase already and stuff, but, we had a reading and it was talking about spirituality growth and stuff like that. And step 12 kicked in for me and it was like a spiritual awakening. And I remember someone speaking at that meeting kind of brought that spiritual awakening to me at the time where I was like, wow, I never realized that. So through that tradition, through that person talking, I kind of got that spiritual awakening. Like I can start thinking differently and doing things differently and kind of um, work with the program better because uh, it helped me along my journey and stuff. 
And the last thing that just came to mind is I had just, uh, I like to join a lot of different groups just to get sober and stuff like that. So I kind of did a um, um, accountability group online and stuff like that. And I kind of just part, picked a person that kind of had similar things that had going on with me in their description. And I sent him a, a link and stuff like that and like an email. And like, that could be trouble too. But he responded back to me and stuff. And he was like, wow, he read me the 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 big book, I mean, page, page, he called me up and we went two hours over that. So God spoke through me, other by me reaching out. So it took for me to reach out for God to talk to others to me. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Still have some time. Hello, my name is Yankel Sexaholic. Um, I just wanted to say that I always I think that one proof that God speaks to me through others is the fact that this fellowship exists. Because I see it as the blind leading the blind. It's just one crazy person telling another crazy person telling another one. <laughs> it's like broken telephone where no one actually wants to listen to anyone else. Um, and if God's not speaking to me or speaking through others it would never exist um, for me it's a struggle just to let anyone in listen to anyone um, when I block people out I block God out I just block everything out um, and I related to God speaks to me through my wife um, I generally trust my wife's Gut. When she says something, she's usually on target. Um, <coughs> thanks for letting me share. Thanks. Thanks, thanks so My name is David. I am a sexaholic. And my sobriety date is August 2nd, 1988, for which I can never be sufficiently grateful. I was um, thinking uh, earlier today. Someone said something about hanging around old timers, or he was he was a newbie. That's what it was. And I said, "Well, I'm not a newbie. I'm an old timer." And and I realize in tradition too, I often uh, early on I, I'm most comfortable being one uh, position behind the leader. I make a good vice president or a secretary or you know, stage manager in theater or things like that. And, and, um, and what I've learned over the years that, uh, I really depend on that our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. And it's, uh, made me much more comfortable with just being wherever it is that God wants to put me in a particular time. And, um, there's a, I'm a very, my wife reminds me frequently how bossy I am. And it's not a compliment. And, um, and that this tradition reminds me that it's we're all part of a bigger group, and then for our group purpose is the beginning of the tradition. Uh, that um, and the, I tell people frequently, mostly to hear myself say it, that the first word of the steps is "we," and it's actually repeated on every step uh, by implication, and um, and for our group purpose and and uh, you know trusted servants, it just creates a an envelope 
Uh, SA is, we're given this by AA, of course, and SA creates an envelope in which I then can stay focused on the steps and, and stay inside the traditions. And, and it's just very safe and comforting. And it doesn't mean we don't, you know, stub our toes and it doesn't mean we don't have uh, conflicts and stuff. And I certainly do my share much less intense than they used to be. I'm glad to say. And at the same time, um, the important thing is to, I just walking into the room, I, I was in the other, some of the other events and took a while to get here. But seeing this group, many people here for tradition too, this is a miracle in its own right. Um, and it's just uh, part of that comforting envelope in which I'm so grateful to function. Thanks. Thank you, David. Uh, Mike, a sexaholic. A lustaholic. Thank you for your shares. Uh, everybody. Uh, I'm thinking uh, somebody told me once that uh, for us sexaholics, uh, lust is so exciting and love is so boring. <laughs> and that made sense to me. Uh, but uh, listening to this second, uh, this, uh, second tradition, uh, I, I really realize all the love I hear in this room right now, love is very exciting. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Dave. I'm a recovering sexaholic. And uh, I came into the fellowship... Uh, after a very significant um, conversion experience. So I had a very, very what I thought a picture of who God was and how God worked. And uh, and it was a a pretty extreme um, vision. And so God fixed that by sending me a Jewish sponsor. So... um, and uh, we've been together since 1989. Um, and I was just, you know, as I was uh, as I was thinking about, you know, what we were talking about, and um, you know, that's that's how practically it's worked for me. Um, hearing God, particularly through Him, um, the guy that saw saw me through dating and uh, having children. Um, uh, was in my wedding and held my child um, a couple hours after he was born. He just graduated from high school. Um, so what a gift. And, uh, uh, you know, I came in seeing a lot of black and white, and today uh, it's it's mostly gray. And, I'm you know, it's it's because of you people and, and how this program works. And, uh, and um, you know, what a gift. I'm glad you guys are here. Thanks. Hi everyone, I'm Wendy, I'm a sexaholic. Um, I came to this particular breakout because I don't think we study the traditions enough in our groups. 
in, in where I live anyway. And, um, I don't, I think that it's more important than what is it's given a lot of times in the program. We, we do a lot of focus on the steps. Um, but without the traditions, the steps pretty much are pointless in my opinion. Um, this tradition specifically is really good for me, not just because I need to hear what God has to say, how much he loves me, and I have all these people, but also when he says, hey, step back. You're in the wrong here. You know? <laughs> and and it doesn't always come out like that. Sometimes it comes out like a two-boy four upside my head. But um, the point is, I'm still hearing God. I'm still hearing what I'm supposed to be hearing, and um, it's not always what I want to hear. And I also am very egotistical, so when we have a group conscience in our meeting, if things aren't going the way, I, I obviously know the best way to write the script. I know how many minutes people should share. I know everything about how to run the meeting, and this is when God speaks to me and says, this is not your meeting this is an essay meeting for everybody, and you don't have the only say. And I have been shut down before on suggestions. And early in recovery, I was pissed off about it. Um, but now it's free. It's a freedom to not have to have all the answers all the time, to not have to be in charge. You know, I spent my whole life just being in charge of everything and holding it all right here. I'm in charge of all of this, and I'm just like weighing 6,000 pounds. So for me to be able to say, oh, this is just not my responsibility. It's for everybody to share. Then I have a lighter load. So uh, that's what I want to share. Thanks. Thanks. I'm Stanford. I'm a sexaholic. I came in extremely late because I just got here. And I've picked up a little bit on the meeting and I wanted to share. Uh, what I grew up with was the exact opposite of tradition to our leaders are not trustworthy and they do govern. Uh, and um, so my definition growing up of leadership was manipulate. Uh, so of course that's what I, that's what I learned to do. And um, it's only in recovery that I've experienced anything that resembles, uh, oh, this isn't, this isn't about me and this isn't about them. This is about uh, what does God want? Uh, what does a power greater than me and a power greater than you and a power greater than you, uh, how is it going to uh, impact my life today? And I'm so grateful for that. Is Without recovery, I would have no, no idea of what a group conscience was. I mean, the first time I went to a business meeting, I thought, oh, this is amazing. I, I love business meetings because it mm -hmm. seems like a really healthy way for people who had no idea what healthy looked like to have, you know, to experience God. And I absolutely loved it. So I, anytime I hear, oh, this business meeting, I say, yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's dorky, but I, I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, experiencing a group conscience, I mean, I just never, I just never had that growing up. Um, and it just feels like so, I feel so connected, uh, to God and others, um, through that. And so I'm really grateful for, uh, the traditions, uh, and tradition too. And, uh, okay, I'm glad to be here. Thanks. We've come to the end of our time.
Anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. Let's all stand and say, hmm, let's see, I guess the third step prayer would be appropriate. We can do a circle, sure. Looks like we're circling. Let's take a break on it. All those holding hands say yes. God, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back. It works when you work it. We're So are you guys from the Seattle area? I am. Okay. So you guys got the uh, international like summer speech. That's what this thing's all about. Right. Right. Yeah, I saw, I saw your wife too with the... Uh, um, we'll see, um, because I'm actually going to be in Australia for the month of uh, June. So if I have enough time, enough PTO time, then I'm going to try it. Yeah. yeah. You're going to be working in Australia? No, it's part of my ninth step program. Oh, wow. um, I'm visiting my uh, biological father and step Wow. So, yeah, so if, if I have enough time, I'd, I'd love to come to Seattle, but, but we'll see. Yeah. You can come out anytime. Right, yeah. We have guest rooms. <laughs> this is true. This is true. I've never been there. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.